from the Rose City in beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon, home of bikes, books, bridges, beards, food carts, startups, and indie coffee. Grab your dog, snatch your hammer and beer, leave your umbrella at home. Welcome to the Tiny House Podcast. It's Tiny House. Oh, fuck, what am I doing? All right. It's been a week since I've done uh, this. Uh-huh. It's Tiny House Podcast. I'm Perry. This is Mark. And uh, Michelle's away. Where is Michelle today? Michelle's away from us. She's okay. sick of us. She's sick of us. Yeah, just yeah. for the week, though. Just for the week. She'll be back next week. Yeah. So it's just Mark and I today, and that means Mark's going to be more participatory than he has been in the past. Uh, and since Michelle is not around, we decided to invite um, someone who's near and dear to both of our heart, Mark and I's heart. Um, Kevin Kavanaugh, uh, who is a local architect, um, amazing creative, uh, entrepreneur, hus- I almost said wife, husband of... <laughs> Either. <laughs> Depends on which day of the week it is. Exactly. <laughs> husband and, uh, and father of two or three. Three. three? Always three. It's been three since I've known Always. Okay. There's, There's a two and a half period right here. <laughs> yeah. right. Although, right. only two of them are mine. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and then Beth won't tell me which one's not. <laughs> so I'm forced to love them all equally. Oh, awesome. she's going to go the opposite direction. Treat them all like shit. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Oops. All right. so, so Kevin's, um, as far as I'm concerned, Kevin's claim to fame is building really unique um, spaces for uh, commercial use, residential use, um, and and spaces that express his ethic, which we'll get into in a minute. But none of the none of the, the things that I've seen Kevin done do. Wow. Fuck. It's been, like I said, it's been a week. None of the things that I've seen Kevin produce um, have been boring or or um, usual. And so we wanted to have him on and talk about things he's doing today uh, because uh, we we did a little pre pre interview ahead of time, and the things he's doing are right up the tiny house alley. So. Without further ado, I'm wow. taking up all, the good? entire shoot. I like that. That was, that was well scripted. It was, yeah, it was the best. <laughs> yeah. It was the best introduction we've ever done because usually it's like, "What's your name? <laughs> How do you say it? How did I just pronounce that?" <laughs> so, Kevin, welcome. Thanks. Good to be here. Yeah, glad to have you. Cool. Yeah. So, so tell us what's what's going on. What are you What are you working on right now? Today. Yeah. I can't. It's funny because I can't really talk about what I'm working on right oh, okay. now. Okay. Rick's excited. No, I will. Oh, okay. Good. Um, as long as the SEC's not listening. <laughs> uh, well, no, no. Even if they're listening, there are things that I can and can't say. So it's about it's about um, I'm in the final throws. In fact, we might hear back today on our final edit from the SEC um, on my uh, to regulation A crowdfunding. Actually, this is going to go out on on the air when not not. It'll be at least a month out. Oh, okay. Yeah. So by the time this is live, people will be able to go and. Um, Invest in. I don't. I'm not going to say that product. One of my one of my projects is going to be crowdfunded. Um, so check the show notes, gentle listeners. Yes. Anyway, yeah, and there are certain states that this applies to: uh, Washington, Oregon, California, Virginia, uh, Massachusetts, and the District of Columbia. Anyone there can put us a little three thousand bucks in and own a slice of one of my buildings. And and the, this is a residential or commercial space. Commercial. Okay. And. I, I vaguely recall you and I talking about some sort of mechanism where people would be able to invest like that. Yeah, it's it's a huge it's been a huge pain in the ass. Yeah, um, and now I know why people don't do it because um, so it's it ties into the the whole ethos of tiny houses. Houses. Um, bear with me for a second, but it's about people feeling disenfranchised. It's why Donald Trump's doing so well, which is you know still shocking to all of us here in Portland. Yeah, but people are just feeling that they're not like. 
they're watching on the sidelines as the trains leaving the station, and they were never they didn't have a chance to buy a ticket. Like how? Why is what what just happened? Yeah, right. Um, and I don't feel that way as much after I did in 2009 when I got my ass handed to me in the recession. Mm-hmm. But I still don't want to forget about that. Um, so most real estate's done by me asking a handful of rich people, usually 60-year-old fat white people who belong to country clubs, for money, and they give me money, and then we, we put in the project, we create an LLC, and we build a building, and they get the first cut. And that's really lucrative. My wife's a hospice nurse. She doesn't have... No one ever asks her that question. Um, they, she probably, they probably aren't allowed to unless... It's a great show. <laughs> <they're>, <laughs> Sorry, this is just a really good... It's perfect. Go on, so... <laughs> unless they're like friends or family, you can't ask a hospice nurse to, to invest in anything that you're doing. That's illegal. Right. Um, the Jobs Act kind of shifted that around a, a little bit, and that's what I'm doing through the Jobs Act is this Regulation A offering um, where it allows me to ask you guys or you know any, anyone 18 and up um, there are, are, I think you have to make, your household income has to be 70000 Um But, you know, two librarians, two school teachers, yeah. two mechanics, whatever right. it is in a household can, can put 3000 bucks in, own a piece of, of the building, and get a return. What's like the return for 3000 8%. Okay. For right. everybody. And, I, and I, limited, oh, nice. I limited that for the rich people or the party. So, so rich folk want to typically make more than that. Right. But I thought it would be kind of fucked up if I gave rich folk a higher return than the poor folk right. um, just for the, as a concept so um, the ones that are in get it and get get the idea of what what's going on right and the next affordable housing product that I mentioned before we went on air um, I'm going to use that same mechanism for because I've learned a lot it's been painful and it's taken me a couple of years to get to this point yeah but now that I've done it once it's it'll it'll take instead of two years it'll take six months um Okay, so the commercial, let's put the commercial uh, project aside, but keep talking about this model you're talking about. Yeah. Are you using this model to uh, design and build the thing that we were talking about before we went on air? And if so, could you describe what it is you were talking about before? Yeah, and then, totally. Yeah. Um, so I can use this model for anything. So um, so what I'm, it'll, it'll be what fills in the last gaps of, of my, my equity I need to do a project. So mm-hmm. I'm, um, I'm buying a piece of land at 20... 6th and Sandy. So I just bought a piece of land at 25th and Sandy. And Sandy Boulevard is like, when I moved here, you know, you know a quarter century ago, it was all hookers and cocaine. Right. And I can't believe that I'm like the king of Sandy Boulevard, or the court jester of Sandy Boulevard right now. Yes. So king of hookers and <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I don't know if it's all caps or not. I don't know how you title it. <laughs> but, um, uh, so I'm, I'm buying... Uh, a piece of land. It's a pretty big piece of land. It's three quarters of a block, and I I don't necessarily like housing on Sandy, but I am so um, kind of enraged at the affordable housing crisis in Portland. It's, it's national, I know, but it's it's um, really bad here. Portland is one of two was until a month ago one of two states in the union, along with Texas. I don't want to. I don't want to be co-states along with Texas. <laughs> Me um, yeah, whatever I say now, it's just going to suck. I, it's it's going to suck. suck. Exactly. So where um, it's uh, in the Constitution, um, cities or jurisdictions are not allowed to create affordable housing mandates on developers. Really? Yeah. Is that is that rent control too? <clears throat> so rent control is part of that. So, so a month ago, no city in the state of Oregon would be allowed 
to impose rent control. No city would be would be allowed to force developers to put in affordable housing. Now, if there's like PDC money involved or public funds involved, that's different. Oh, okay. Because um, those funds demand it, but the city doesn't demand it. Interesting. It, it would be illegal for a city to do that. They just, kind of an emergency session a month ago, Pat, uh, uh, put that to bed. And now cities can do that, and cities are experimenting with that because it's such a crisis. Can you? So um, this is this conversation is going to be predominantly about Portland. We we may sure. get into some more national level general conversations, but for the listeners, can you characterize the nature from your perspective of the housing crisis that you're describing, so people can understand what it is we're talking about here? Well, it, Portland has, um, and, and other cities. I just got back from a little spring break in New York to. Beth and the kids there, and you know, New York. New York has the same problem, and every, every major metropolis ha- has the same problem. Even in the Midwest, where typically really? housing prices haven't had yeah. had concerns, they're seeing in the core of the city where people want to be. It's just that the supply and demand chain mm-hmm. where people want to be. Um, people are getting pushed out, and uh, um, it's it's super unfortunate. It's 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 horrific. Here, it's it's worse than most cities. Um, when you look at how as a percentage, how much rent has increased over the last four or five years? Mm-hmm. No city is um, is experiencing what we're seeing right. Experience, is experiencing right now. It's pretty bad. Um, and when there's when it's pure market, where it's just pure free market, and anyone can do whatever they want, you mm-hmm. get, you know, I could if I name names, it doesn't. I didn't realize this was a national. Podcast. It is national. Yeah. So you know, who cares? Yeah, about, no I can. I like. I like naming names of all the douchebags okay. who are doing really, really bad work. <laughs> okay. No douchebag right here. That's okay. <laughs> because well, they might be nice. I, you know, for example, Dennis Sackoff. I hear he's a nice guy. He's doing. He's. I think he's really hurting Portland right now. Why is why he's is he throwing every, you know eighty percent of all the shitty apartments that are getting thrown up on the east side are his. So so shitty apartments. You're describing these gigantic. Um, you no, know what? Oh, what so are, there, that's a whole other. That's a whole other rant. Okay. Sorry, that's, I don't. Want to no, this is perfect. Us. This is perfect. <laughs> Gotta learn. A bunch of people, you know, whining about what they. Um. Anyway, what I, where I want this to go after the rant is what we can do about yeah, it. Yeah, because yeah, 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 yeah. Um, because there's a problem. And yeah, yeah. How, yeah. how do you fix it? Um. So, two things have happened in the last five years in Portland, and other cities have already have, have experienced these for the most part in in different stages in their in their evolution. Portland's. Um, lagging behind every other West Coast city. So every other West Coast city has already had um, the, the Dennis Sackhoffs come along. Okay. Or the, he, Actually, I hear he's a nice guy. He's a real nice guy. Um, and the bank that I use lends all his stuff, and they're like, hey, you know, it's money. it makes sense. Yeah, it's right. money, and it makes sense from their vantage point. They don't. A bank doesn't look at an intersection and say, how can we make the intersection better? Right. That's not. That's the last thing a bank does. They just want their yeah. money back. Yeah. Um, yep. So, uh, and it's a good bank. It was the first bank that, that believed in me after the recession. So the banks, you know, I, not all banks are bad. Most, but not all <laughs> are bad. Um, not all developers bad uh, are bad. Most are. Um, you know, Mark Madden's another developer who just does shitty work and, and charges a, a too much money, again, maybe it's not too much, because someone's willing to pay, it's not too much money. Right. Um, but these buildings are going to de- decay from the inside out from mm-hmm. day one. They're just really, really bad. And they're, it's warehousing for, it's, it's containers for people. It's, wow. it's stuff that your, that your kayak should be stored in for 40 bucks a month. It's wow. not something that people should be living in. It's, wow. it's, I mean, meaning that that size, it's yeah. that, that's that quality is just so ill-thought. Um, and it's and it's bad for the city. This is a design forward city, and most cities are and want to be design forward cities. Mm-hmm. So when I when I said that 
when I started describing them as big, these giant units, the places they're yeah. going up, you said no. So what are they making? So, well, they're making anything that's 100 by 100 or less on a quarter block or less, 30 to 40 units, um, wood frame, vinyl windows, okay. just, just really unfortunate architecture. The big stuff you're talking about yeah. is stuff that other cities have experienced, and we've been fortunate enough not to, uh -huh. because we have the smallest city blocks in America. Oh, I didn't know that. We do. Um, um, but institutional money has finally found place. I see. And, that, and they only want to work in 10 and $20 million chunks. I see. So they, our buildings couldn't be big enough to support Got it. their appetite. Right. right. And, and the shift in where rents have finally landed, mm -hmm. um, what construction is costing, um, that has, um, in the last couple of years, um, gotten their attention institutional money Goldman Sachs yeah. you know, they're in Portland they're looking to place money and, and wow. buy big ass buildings wow um, and that and that really that makes them the buildings as big as possible mm -hmm. and uh, it has nothing to do with the quality of the design right which is that's what I'm about um, uh, starting there and, and making sure that the finances you know first you start with the design and then does it pencil if it doesn't you then, do. you, yeah, right. then you start over and you right. come up with a new design Love the design first, yeah. and then it, and then you go and make sure that you run the performance. Say, oh yeah, cool, that's profitable enough, or yeah. that's kind of profitable, or that makes X. Let me see if I can talk someone into joining me in this, you know, tilting into windmills mm -hmm. and make X. You know, if someone comes to me and says they want to invest a million dollars in a project, which before was crazy to even imagine, but but I have those kinds of investors now. Yeah, um, I'm going to need two or three folks with a million dollars to do this affordable housing project that I'm slowly going to get back to it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, oh, side note, huge side note, I'm not an architect. Um, I, I'll get in trouble. So I am not a licensed architect. Huh. And if you're not a licensed architect, uh, you can't call yourself. You can, you can call me whatever you want. That's okay. awesome. No, but no, no, if yeah, I don't I get correct it. you. I get it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But architecture school, all I do is design buildings, you know. You went to architecture school? Yeah. You just didn't graduate or get the certificate or what? No, you got to do, do an IDP an program, internship, take the I exams. See. It's I a see. pretty rigorous exam. I see. Oregon wants me to go get my master's. I don't want to get a master's. I'm I not see. that smart. Um, <laughs> so, um, so where were we? Sorry, after that little tangent. Well, I had one question about, I mean, Portland is such a design town yeah. as a whole. Yeah. But now you've got all these kind of big co's coming in trying to build big, ugly buildings. Is that going to change the nature of Portland or is there enough people trying to push back or... What is your sense on that? No, it will it will change. Um, it's already changed. Yeah. Uh, people paying. You know, when I was in San Francisco, and there's deep rent control. Beth and I went there on a little romantic vacation a month ago, and we were walking around and talking to people, and there was a definite like, there was class warfare going on culturally in San Francisco. It felt like to us, but in talking to the to little shop owners and people who live there, just the normal folk. Um, there's this kind of deep animosity towards the Google bus oh, that comes yeah. in. Um, kind of a, uh, a detached generation of people making silly money, mm -hmm. working down in Mountain View, but wanting to live in the city, but not really engaging the way neighbors engage. Mm -hmm. Paying silly money for, for rent or for, to own housing. Um, and kind of creating there's, there's like a bifurcated economy. In, 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 in the Bay Area. Yeah. Um, we're not there yet, but, I mean, they, they have, but they have rent control. Right. So they're, so poor folk or normal folk, working class folk, can still live in the city. Mm -hmm. If we didn't change our law a month ago, um, and if cities, you know, talking not just Portland, other cities, don't kind of figure it out, um, 
Thankfully, San Francisco has a bifurcated economy. If they would look like Portland and had Portland's laws, all the poor folk would have been push, pushed out to Richmond yeah. or you know San Bruno or right. Milpitas. Mm-hmm. Um, so Portland's, the institutional money that's found Portland and people that are paying high rent in Portland is just kind of stripping away a lot of the Portlandia, right. the quirk. Yeah. Yes. For any of you who actually have, have watched Portlandia but have not been to Portland, it's totally true. Right. All of those scenes exist here, which is funny. Um, it doesn't seem real, but it's... It's, it's a documentary. It's yeah, a documentary. Much, yeah. But a decade from now, if we don't do something, it's going to be a quirky historical documentary, mm-hmm. not, not a present-day documentary. Right. Do you think that the, the tiny house movement in Portland um, came out of what we're talking about? People seeing this happening, or maybe even feeling it, like not being able to find rent, or what? what totally, totally. So, so like a lot of us. So my, I think you guys too, to some degree, in two thousand eight and nine, shifted. Well, I know it did for you and me. Yeah, shifted. Totally. Every waking up in the morning, like, what am I going to do today? What's my job? How do I make money? How do I put you know bread in the larder? So I think the tiny house movement, um, at least locally, the folk that I know who are involved in it, it was a reaction to what happened to them. It's either I've got to figure this out or I've got to move. Mm-hmm. But it was a global recession, so it's not like moving anywhere else is going to be. I'll have the same problems, maybe at a different... <laughs> do, do I move cities? I don't think that helps. So I'll move back in my parents' basement. Yeah. And I thought, like, well, screw that. I'll live in the back of a... I'll buy a Ford F-110 and build right. a camper on the back and yeah. I'll somehow find a way to plummet. Yeah. <laughs> right. um, so I think that's... I do think that's how it started here, at least. Um, and then some people just fell in love with it and realized how fun it was. Mm-hmm. My, my reaction, housing-wise, to the recession was, was different because of what I do, and that was the ocean. Right, right. Describe the ocean for the audience. So the ocean, um, I, I bought uh, an old, what was it, uh, Jeep and Chrysler uh, auto shop, and um, the tire center, two separate buildings on one lot, you drive your car to the tire center to get your get new wheels, and then you drive your Jeep or Chrysler into the uh, building next door to get you know oil, lube, and filter. And one was a five thousand square foot building; the other was half the size. And I converted them into seven spaces, um, four micro restaurants between five hundred and five and six hundred and forty square feet. And that was fun as hell, and that hadn't been done before. It's funny because people say, "What's a micro restaurant?" I say, "Well, go to Tokyo." It's just a restaurant. Right. <laughs> go, to, go to New York City, it's just a restaurant. Yeah. Right. But in Portland, we're used to Applebee's, and we're used to, well, well not, <laughs> thankfully not. Really. not yeah, not but, really. Yeah. But, but anywhere outside of 82nd, or anywhere, anywhere outside of the urban core, yeah. in any American city, any, yeah. any right. European city, yeah. you'll see the Olive Gardens of the world. Right. You know, they're versions of Olive Garden. Right. So as you get closer in and real estate gets more, um, more in demand, you have to get more creative with it. So I, I did four micro restaurants, um, all fitting in a, that 2,500 square foot building. Right. And then in the other building, I put in a pie bakery, and I did a, uh, a pig charcuterie. And then behind all that, in the back of the parking lot, there's a little door. And um, I tore up half the parking lot, and then I built like a building. It's a, a very skinny eight-foot building between the two buildings. Like, it's hard to describe, but if you, if you Google the ocean... Um, you'll see it, and there's some plants and stuff. Tore up the parking lot, planted grass and trees. But in the back of the parking lot, there's a little red door, and that's the door to my house. Mm. So uh, when you walk back there, there's a 1,992-square-foot space I carved into the back of this auto body shop. 
tall ceilings, big, huge exposed beams. I, I tore out some two of the walls and put in glass garage doors. So the only windows in the entire place are two massive glass garage doors. Um, because I have three kids, I put in three little tiny bedrooms. No windows, no closets. Sorry, kids. There were, you know... Sorry, girls. Jack was the oldest. He was in. He was a freshman. He doesn't have any clothes. The girls didn't know that, you know, that you're not supposed to have... Um, that you're actually supposed to have windows and closets. <laughs> but they loved it, you know. LJ was the youngest, and she was seven at the time. Yeah, I think. And, um, like, in her in her wall, um, they all had French doors going into their, into their bedrooms. The wall above the French doors. I just had a massive opening because she didn't want to be afraid like feeling like she's it's too dark okay mm-hmm. well I'll just cut a massive hole in the wall and you always feel like you're part of the part of the family but we moved in there because we had to it's for the same reason people had to move into their their Ford trucks right. and build their tiny houses we had to sell our house um, gorgeous house it was beautiful 2400 mm-hmm. square foot house mm-hmm. with a full basement on an mm-hmm. oversized lot in the Beaumont neighborhood wonderful neighborhood loved yeah. it just yeah. Norman Rockwell yeah right. it was and had to sell it and the fact that Beth didn't leave me was, you know, shocking. <laughs> I think a, a lot of women would have been like, you know, I did, this is not what I signed up for. Because yeah. then we sold it just to pay off debts yeah. and get back, almost get back to zero. We didn't even get back to zero, but almost got back to zero. And then I'm like, okay, cool. Now let's move in, you know, move on to Sandy Boulevard. You know, and Beth <laughs> yeah, is like, that's like, yeah. That's like where the, where the hookers and cocaine, cocaine are. are. Like, yeah, that. That'd be so great. I'll be the king. Be so <laughs> you can be the queen. Yeah, come on. I'm not going to ask you to hook. <laughs> Just toss some blow up. Just, yeah. 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 You know. um, so we did, and we, we gave it three months as an experiment, and it was so, it was so cool. Mm. It was, I think I told you the story, Perry. Um, but I thought you had to be dead to have an estate sale. Oh, yeah. So we hired an estate company, and we said everyone can bring one thing. We bring all of the photos, and we brought the uh, Beth's wedding dress, and um, everything else. We're like, okay, you you can grab one thing. You know, I don't care how small or big it is, but you know, everyone can take it. Wow. And we put it. We moved in a in like a car. <laughs> so because it's like one load in a car, it was nothing. We left our beds. We left everything. Wow. And um and then we just bought stuff new. Because when we sold the house, we left a, a, a little bit of a budget. And it was way too Ikea heavy, but we had to instantly create a home. Sure. Mm-hmm. And the kids were between, you know, uh, 7 and 15. And it was all just kind of cathartic and fun. But it was crazy to hand the keys over to some some stranger. Be like, all right, cool, here, just sell, sell our, everything. Sell everything. And then we um, just got in the car and drove a mile down the road and uh, started fresh. And it was, it was pretty great. And it's amazing when you when you have a, have a basement, and most of your listeners, most of America, uh, the, the, the inner core cities have basements in their, in their houses. When you have a basement, you fill it up. Yep. And it was so great because, you know, an auto body shop doesn't have a basement. And we started from scratch, and it was so wonderful um, living that way. But unless you're forced to live that way, which is what the tiny house movement is, is really is. about. Mm-hmm. If, it, if it wasn't forced to happen, it wouldn't have happened. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but now people are doing it by choice. Yeah, right. Yeah, because they're see because because there's enough data out there to right. see. Oh gosh, you live for X per month. Yes, and have I less would love stuff. To, and, and have, have less stuff. stuff. Yep. And you get and every weekend you're doing something exciting or fun. Exactly. Or, or traveling because yeah. you have excess funds. Yeah. It, it was a, it was a necessity on how you can survive. Right. 
And now it's an actual choice on a way to live. Well, yeah, and some people, they go through the downsizing that you've gone through and they have this epiphany about how wonderful life is actually going to be without having all this stuff wrapped around their neck, mm-hmm. right? So, yeah, we've had a number of guests come on and talk about how they've downsized. We, have a, we interviewed someone a few weeks ago that uh, has two, the husband and wife and two kids or three living on that lake in oh. two, 200 square feet or yeah. something like that. Wow. Two, yeah. yeah. Wow. Pretty freaking cool. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you need you need community. You need spill out space. You need to kind of blur the line between inside and outside. There are things from a design standpoint that you want, mm-hmm. um, but it, if you're if you're forced to look at it through a different lens, it, you can just have really exciting options. Mm-hmm. So, talk about the um, the micro houses that uh, you were talking about, or, or the the loft that you're thinking of building, if you can. Can you talk? Oh, about sure. Those aren't micro. Sorry, um, it's okay, but it's the, the the deep affordable housing project, yeah. or or the adult dorms, either one. Let's talk about both of them as a solution <laughs> to the crisis yeah, that we've yeah. been talking about for the last thirty minutes. All right, yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah. we've been we've been talking for thirty minutes. We're close. To I've been. I it talked seems like two hours. Jesus <laughs> Christ. No, no. Do, your, <laughs> do your guests just monologue like this so, so much? I'm oh sorry. yeah. Is so it they just they just write us angry letters about. It. No, they don't. <laughs> no, they, yeah, they they talk less just like this. We, we want to hear okay. these stories. Yeah, yeah. These are exactly what exactly. Okay. So two different products that I think dovetail with what your podcast is all about. Um, um, one is the one that I'm uh, working on currently, and it's it's the affordable housing project. So that piece of land on Sandy Boulevard, um, I'm going to put retail on the ground floor. I'm going to park it a little bit because I have to. I don't like parking in my buildings. Oh, um, I see. Put parking in. I have to put a little bit of parking. You have to because city stuff. Yeah, because okay. it's but it's gonna be surface parking instead. I'm not gonna bury it. I'm not gonna yeah, spend yeah. a lot of money per car. It's just gonna yeah. be there just to check the box. Yeah. Um, and I'll try to put it, find a way to put shared vehicle parking in there instead, um, and a lot of bike parking. Nice. But it'll be um, 86 housing units, loft units, and they're all gonna be exactly the same. Which, from a design standpoint, seems stupid, but it's more that I need an, I want an egalitarian project. So I don't want a lot of housing products that are like 100 unit projects and there's mixed income um, which is what, what you want by the way you don't mm-hmm. want a certain demographic mm-hmm. completely to be right. in one building I mean, right. Greeny Green and Pruitt Igo are housing products that failed in Chicago and St. Louis respectively you know a couple of generations ago because they put all the poor folk in that housing uh, tower right mm-hmm. and all children knew was Poverty. the kid across the street yeah. whose parents have no job or the right. kid in the hall that's where all no, poor people live yeah there's no yeah. modeled behavior of where, of where you can um, how, how you can move out of poverty. So that doesn't work. So, so mixed income projects make sense. But the mixed income products that I've seen, I don't, I don't pay attention as much as I should, but the ones that I've seen, the rich folk live in a different kind of unit than the poor folk. Yeah. They're all in the same building. But they're better? They're always in better. In some way? They're better, they're bigger, they're higher, 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 everything. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and I guess there's re- there are reasons for that. And, and um, and that's fine. I, well, it's fine enough. I wanted to turn that equation on its head a bit in my affordable housing project. So because of that, every unit's the same. I don't want you to be able to tell whether, I don't want you to know whether your neighbor is subsidized or not. So, okay, um, we were talking about the, uh, the, the, the egalitarian nature of the new affordable yeah. housing project that you yeah. are starting. And what I, you were saying how they were all going to be the same, essentially. And I was going to ask, are you going to do anything about the ones that are higher up? No, so, that's, so so I'll talk about the the, the so the, the design model is such a true loft. Mm-hmm. So I don't want to I don't want to do neat apartments. I want to do lofts. I want to do something that. What's a true loft? A true loft to me has internal circulation. 
a 17 foot ceiling where like your bed is up high, not like an efficiency or a studio where your bed's in your living room or you have a Murphy bed or a futon. It's not just a high ceiling place, it's functional with a high ceiling. Exactly. Gotcha. There's yep. some way, some weird climbing up some kind of stairs yep. to your mattress up high and so if it's thrash up there, it's fine. It just it feels spacious. I, I like creating volume. Mm -hmm. um, three dimensions, not two dimensions. Um, so it's that. There will be a, a new housing bubble that will burst in Portland and a lot of these institutional products where you just have how, I'm the 13th door on the yeah, left on the right. ninth floor. Yeah, right. You know, vanilla on vanilla on vanilla. Those will suffer. They should suffer. I'm, I agree. I want them to suffer. Yes. I want to catch all of those folk as they're as they're fleeing those buildings. And if I if I'm the only person in town doing true lofts, or if I'm one of a couple doing true lofts, um, or if my design is different, so it starts with design always. Then I have no problem if the bubble, when the bubble bursts, not right. if the bubble bursts, because right. I have, have a different product out there. So uh, when you're doing a tiny house, you're creating something that hasn't existed before, or you're exactly. getting getting ideas that are already out there. Right. But it's so different than you know compared to ninety nine point nine percent of everything else that's out there, including other tiny houses. Exactly. Right. Right. Yeah. right. Exactly. So you're not concerned about it. you don't even think about a bubble. Mm -hmm. It's bubble proof in, mm -hmm. in, in in many ways. So the, this housing product that I'm doing, eighty six units. I want to be bubble-proof as much as possible. So the true experiment, there's a, an experiment behind everything, ideally, that I do. This one is actually in, in creating affordable housing. Um, um, the, the micro-dorms I'll talk about in a second is about community um, and the finances behind both projects. Affordable housing, I talked about you know rich folk, throwing a million bucks in and owning a piece of the project with me long-term, and it's a it's an annuity. It, mm -hmm. it spits off. Um, most of my projects, if you are in a true ownership position, have between a 16 and 22% 10-year internal rate of return. So when you factor everything together, right. the rent that comes in, and then you pay your mortgage, and I hand you a quarterly check, that's just the dividend. That, that accounts to 8 or 9 or 10%. When you factor in, there's a preferred 8% return. Mark, if you give me a million dollars, I will give you $80,000 a year. That's the floor. Right, right. You can go up from there, but that's the floor. Right. Um, when you factor in that every year your your mortgage gets smaller um, and every year the building appreciates, mm -hmm. um, that all, after over a 10-year cycle, you, you have a like, pretend sale at year 10. I never want right. to sell anything. It turns out to a 16 to 22% per year return, which is silly. Again, that's that's why I'm attracted right. to having you know, social workers and, and school teachers yeah. or mechanics and librarians. To get in on this. Fact, yeah, it, yeah. Sh it shouldn't just be for the country club set. Mm -hmm. um, so my experiment on the social, on the, on the affordable housing project is twofold. A, I want to prove that um, I can do that without public money. So what I do is I go to you, Mark, and I stick up a million dollars. Okay. Okay, there. I was waiting for that. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm, just, I'm taking notes and getting yeah. my checkbook ready. Yeah, exactly. So, um, so uh, <laughs> I love dead air. <laughs> um, so, and, but what I'm going to say is let's do this forward thinking affordable housing project. By the way, a million dollars to you is a rounding error, I'm assuming, or the person that I'm talking to. Um, let's assume for this conversation. Let's really assume. Because <laughs> <Yeah, geez. laughs> you've got because you're because sure. you've got 120 that's invested, and this is a little tiny sliver that you want to invest. Um, there's this bifurcated mind of the of the high net worth individual, and 
it's I'm going to make as much money as I can. If that means investing in Exxon, that's what I'm going to do. Mm -hmm. And then I'm going to give a million dollars to build a, a new wing on oh, the art that. museum. Right? right. And it's this weird kind of like I can be a dick over here and I can be um, a philanthropist over, over right. here. Mm -hmm. And most people don't work that way. Right. So I want to do a project where I say, hey, Mark, I have a million dollars. I'll give you a good return. You'll get, but instead of us, instead of your eight percent dividend, right. that's the floor. Let's all of us agree. And Perry, I need a million from you. And say there's you know five people at the table. We all pitch in a million dollars. Mine is in sweat equity, so I have a million dollars, but it's not in actual cash. It's right. in money I don't pull from the project as a fee. So there's say there's, say there's three of us. We each keep a million dollars in. Let's agree that we're not going to get an eighty percent, eighty thousand dollars per year dividend. Because we actually don't need the money, right? Right. Um, the people that I'm talking to, let's agree, what let's agree on three percent, so or four percent. So, at four percent, if we all agreed to get forty thousand dollars per year, um, we would. And the product that I'm talking about has uh, uh, it needs five million mm -hmm. in cash. So, so you take that delta. That's a four percent delta. Yeah. Um, which on five million dollars is two hundred thousand mm -hmm. dollars. So if we take that. And we say, okay, we're going to have, um, uh, let's take 20% of the units in the building, say 18 of the lofts in this project. We're going to take that pool of money that we just kind of created ourselves by, by being a little less greedy, yeah. right? by being just, just, we don't need to get every penny out. And let's just divide that by every, every damn loft of all those 18 lofts. We could say five lofts and say they're free. Yeah, we right. could say we'll cross all lofts. It doesn't matter how we divide it up. It's our own internal experiment. If we take 18 lofts, we could take over $1,000 a month off each, or roughly $1,000 a month off each loft. So whatever market rate is, right. say 1600 say 1400 say yeah. 1500 it's now $500 a month. Right. Wow. That's part of the experiment. And by the way, I have reached out to my favorite three investors mm -hmm. um, on this, and two of the three have said yes. Wow, nice. So I'm, re I'm j just in the throes right now of getting this accomplished. Any gap, if I only raise $3 million instead of five, I'll go do another Regulation A, only in the city probably, or only in the state of Oregon, because nobody in Virginia is going to want to invest money yeah. to right. do affordable housing in Portland. But it's a different concept. And by the way, you can't get a 4% return on your CD. Right. You know, right. on your money market account. Right, right. Um, it's social impact investing. It, it is, exactly. Really right. That's exactly what it is, but, yeah. And then the second part of the experiment is once I don't, and this is this is the crazy part. Once I'm doing that, and I don't have a penny of public funds in it, you're allowed to discriminate by profession. Oh. And I want to discriminate by profession because this started um, with the homelessness crisis for me. Mm -hmm. I was trying to, I've been trying to figure out how to fix homelessness. Mm -hmm. I can't. Mm -hmm. um, I'm not smart enough. My brain is not big enough. But I can help those who are on the front lines of the homelessness problem. So those 18 lofts, the first people who have a pass at them are folk with their masters in social work who every day are working at Sisters of the Road Cafe wow. or a transition housing project. Wow. Folk that make $37,000 a year and have to commute in from Gresham because yeah. 37 used to be a lot, but now it's not. Mm -hmm. Right. So they get the first pass. If... I can't find 18 of them. And then I would sign, I would give you like a, a three-year lease. Right. Just so you don't feel like you're, I mean... Um, going to get jacked up. And yeah, yeah, exactly. Sure. Yeah. And it'll always be, and by the way, you, whatever loft you want's yours. Top wow. four, bottom four. So that's, because wow. they're all the same. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. And that's the egalitarian aspect. Yeah. If I only find 15 social workers, all right, then I talk to my investors. Okay, guys, what do you want to do? Sure. 
school teachers. Yeah. I don't care. Mechanics, artists. I don't right. Know. And you're allowed to do that. That's cool. Um, that's very cool. That's very cool. And it has it has little to do with affordable housing. Uh, sorry, with um, with tiny houses. Mm-hmm. Um, just from a design standpoint. But it's the same kind of ethos that we talked about of why the same nexus of the idea came from the same place. Well, yeah, it's interesting because the the tiny house, generally speaking, the tiny house uh, movement emerged from people going, I don't want to continue to pay all this money for this house. It's weighing me down, including on my spiritual spirituality. Yeah. It's weighing me down in every possible way. Um, what can I do to get out from under this? And then others are saying, well, I can't afford to get a house that's right. going to cost me half a million dollars. I can spend thirty thousand dollars building this thing on my own, and I don't have the I don't have a mortgage after that. Yeah, you're hundred percent free. Yeah, clear. and what and what you're doing, and from the developer standpoint, is you're saying, how can we approach this from this standpoint that allows people basically to be able to afford to pay the same amount that tiny houses are now having to right. pay because the the rent on land is about five hundred bucks. About four to five hundred bucks when you include utilities yeah. and everything yeah. else. Yeah. So I'm curious when so you're developing this, so you're not the most tech guy, really, right? That's, <laughs> not, one, that's not, one way to put it. Yeah. That being said... A lot of it would be kind. <laughs> are you going to Are you gonna find a way to kind of open source this? Are you going to find a way to share what you're doing with other people so uh, they can do it, or...? Well, even though I'm not a tech guy, I am a complete open source guy. Okay. So, um, on my website, I put all of my floor plans for my projects, um, nice. tons nice. of photos, yeah. and most importantly, um, and they're all downloadable, most importantly, the Excel spreadsheet. So I put the math, oh, not just great. a PDF, wow, but you great. can download it and you could play the numbers. Just play the numbers, yeah. and like if you're doing this in Pittsburgh, yeah, you can take, you know, the, the product's called uh, the Atomic Orchard Lofts. Look, look for that project, find the pro forma, download it, and play the plugin. I don't know what land costs in Pittsburgh. What is, it's Atomic, the Atomic, Atomic Orchard, Orchard Lofts. Okay. But it's yeah. on it's on the, my Gorilla Development website. Great. So GorillaDev.co. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so if you're in Pittsburgh, plug in different numbers. I don't know what market rents are. They're like sixteen hundred bucks a month here. If they're twelve hundred bucks a month in Pittsburgh, plug that in. If land costs you know half, plug that in. Construction costs less Wonderful. or more, plug it in. Um, but the concept is interchangeable. Mm-hmm. So you have the lofts. There's another one. That There's you one about. more. Yeah, yeah, let's talk about that. That one too. I think dovetails with what you're doing, yeah. and that's adult dorms. That's right. Which there's I think there's now one over. Um, by the transit center in the Hollywood neighborhood. Oh, the one across the street from Trader Joe's. Yeah, and I think it's shitty. I didn't know that's what it was called, but I heard it's shitty too. Okay, yeah, it, yeah, and adult dorms are <laughs> worst tagline ever. <laughs> it should have come up with something else. Anyway, sorry. Well, I, the, the, the scary thing about doing something like adult dorms is I don't want to show. The scary thing about doing what I do is I can show a model that oftentimes can be abused by. So as it, so real estate developers fall just between lawyers and krill on the food chain. <laughs> <laughs> and and I'm, a, I'm always a little bit afraid of doing something inventive and showing a model that can be distorted yes, by people whose only goal is mac- Make, maximizing um, profits. Yes. Right. Um, adult dorms are, in theory, profitable. The reason I'm attracted to them has nothing to do with profit. Mm-hmm. Of course, the design comes first. The, the experiment, whatever that is, either a design experiment or a finance model or mm-hmm. something, the right. way that I'm going to be talking about, is I, I need to learn from it. Um, and then I run the numbers. Either it works enough or it doesn't. Mm-hmm. And, if I, and if I can't get investors, then, you know, then the market's already has spoken. Mm-hmm. And then it just, it, that ends up as a pretty drawing and a flat file that I, I mean, pull back out five or six years later. Mm-hmm. But adult dorms, 
um, for me, micro housing on the apartment side can be the, the, the developers I've mentioned before. Um, they just shove as many units as possible into the project, yeah. and they don't think about other other amenities that, that, that make rich social interaction. Mm. So when I live in a tiny amount of square footage, and I not only don't know my neighbor, but I don't want to know my neighbor, the design is such that I'm not um, compelled to go borrow a cup of sugar from a neighbor. Right. Yeah. I'm annoyed by my neighbor because yes. the design forces yes. this, this like, awkward interaction. Yep. Right. Yep. Um, I wanted to fix that. I think adult dorms are a, a neat way to fix that. So um, what I wanted, what I'm working on now is a basically a triplex. So on a 50 foot by 100 foot lot, I create each floor is a unit of that triplex. Okay. And towards the street would be the common area. Oh, interesting. So living room, so think of a home, living yeah. room, each floor is a seven bedroom house. Each floor, uh, each floor is, a seven bedroom, is a seven bedroom, seven bathroom apartment, say, not house, okay. apartment. Seven bedroom, seven bathroom apartment. So in the, wow. towards the front, on the, on the, say on the second floor, walk up some stairs and you, and you oh, open up into the common room. So it's, t- it's 21 units, right? There are 21 individual renters. Yes, individual renters, got it. But okay. it's a triplex by code. Understood, yeah. There's three kitchens, three yeah. laundry rooms, and and each floor is completely. You're not going to another floor to do anything. Right. Each floor, each of those seven units, and it could be maybe nine units. I mean, there's a there's a number where it's it's like ten potters, like Ned's right. case. Yeah. So it's a yep. certain number where it feels too anonymous, and yes. you're not compelled to know your neighbor. So it's it's a, it's a social experiment. It's not about the money. Uh huh. It's not about the math. It's what's that right number? Um, it's three bedrooms per floor. It wouldn't be financially uh, lucrative enough to. It wouldn't be viable. So um, it's co-housing. It's 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 co-housing, but but not compartments. Well, because right, right, because you're well, co-housing separate apartments, and this is, if I'm understanding it, this is rooms within where there's more of a communal space. Yes, Yes. kitchen and laundry. But I I call it communal living, and right now actually I live in a. I moved out of the ocean, and I live in Dr. Jim's, which I think you've seen. Oh yeah, yeah, I've seen it. Yeah, I've been to your house. Yeah. Really nice place. So it's 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 community with with a lowercase c. Correct. There's no no one's obliged to cook for everyone else every other Thursday or whatever. But your only obligation, yeah, yeah. (laughs) your only obligation is to not be a dick. That's literally (laughs) that's like stated in the bylaws. Like just don't be a dick. Yeah. Um, So say you're on say you live on the second floor. There's the 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 middle the sandwich unit. Yeah. um, Sandwich space and you have you have one of those seven. Sweet. So it's a bedroom and a bathroom. It's your own bathroom. Okay. There's a laundry room at the end of the hall for you seven. Um, and at seven, you're not going to pull your neighbor's laundry out and leave on the floor to do your laundry. I mean, you're, you're, there's going to be behavior that you're also not all 19. The last time we were all in dorms, there was also certain behavior that just yeah. existed. So adult dorms implies that we're all, we're all adults. Um, but it's not just a way to kind of figure out how we can live in smaller square footage. Just that's that's the the seed of it. Mm-hmm. But the thing that the experiment for me is how is it such that we can create um, deep social capital, not just deep um, social capital. Yeah, social capital is the is the number of social connections you have. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's been proven that you will live longer. So, oh, okay. Side note. Uh, I love <laughs> this. Two. I love this yeah. question. Uh, Think of, but don't say out loud, how many uh, people you would tell 
uh, tomorrow if you found out that you had terminal cancer and you were going to die in four months? Think of the number. And then... Um, Does that include family members? Everybody. Okay. Everybody. Human beings. Okay. Animals don't, have, don't count. Okay. Uh, or dogs don't. <laughs> domesticated animals don't count. And then, uh, and then um, what's the number? About 10 or 15. Under 10. Yeah. Okay. So you'll live longer than you. I mean, Perry will live, live longer. Yeah, For the record, Perry have, will live longer than me. I actually have had larger, a larger number than that, but I was embarrassed to share it. <laughs> no. The people that I would share it with. Yeah. Because a lot of people would want to know. I'm sorry, Mark. That I'm going to die. <laughs> I felt to him for the longest time. <laughs> well, Perry go on Facebook and Twitter, and then it'd be thousands of people. But statistically, yeah, yeah. they've shown uh, through that Interesting. Uh, uh, Robert Putnam's the guy who like did bowling along the book. And right. Just, deep dives. By the way, Portland has the highest social capital of any city in America. Huh. Sorry for the other non-Portland cities. <laughs> but but you even, can't afford to live anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> but I want to do a project that had deep. Social capital, I rich see. social capital. I so see. here's a key to your apartment. You are the third door on the left down the hall. There's only you know, three on one side, four on the other. Here's, you know, we're going to have a, a little mixer. You can meet your neighbors. Um, and, but the common space is a true living room. So it's, it's pimped out. Yeah. There's, a, there's a big refectory right. table inside the kitchen. Right. And the kitchen has a bunch of dorm fridges. I, I don't want you to have your own food in oh, your own room. I want you yeah, to I come see. out and cook. Yeah. 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 And then... Twice a week, I will have a cleaning service come and sweep all the common areas and clean everything out. Because Lord knows there's always a dirty dish in the sink, yeah, and it's not mine. Yeah, I don't know who's left the dishes. I don't want people to have those arguments. There's some here right now. Exactly. <laughs> I don't want to have those arguments. I don't, yeah. People yeah. have, because that, that kind of erodes at your chance yes. to interact in, in a compelling way with, with yeah. your neighbor. And then once a month, I want a chef to come in, and I want to have Thanksgiving in April. I want to have Thanksgiving oh, nice. in May. I want to have Thanksgiving in June. Wow. And you either you either sign up or you don't. Bring a guest. Austin, I don't exactly. I yeah. don't care. Yeah. If you have food allergies, let me know. Yeah. But you know, it's every there's a Thursday every month where we're all sitting down. Or I don't care if the floor decides that Thursdays are really bad days. When I don't care, it doesn't yeah. matter. I'm yeah. not in charge of it. Yeah. yeah. But it's all woven into rent, and rent would be around. I'm trying to keep rent under a thousand bucks a month. Wow. To get all of that. We talked about something This goes like back that. to the container homes of keeping... No, it goes back before that. Remember we talked about um, my house, oh. exact, we were talking yeah. as an example, where we had, we'd rent out four of the rooms. I had this four-bedroom house. We rent out four, the four rooms and then have a chef come in and cook for yeah. the people every yeah. at the end of the week or something like that. And even with the, like, with the container houses, too, we were talking about having totally. a central home. Central in the place where people yeah. could meet. And yeah. Exactly. Great. But Thanksgiving, or just, you know, how often do we have three-hour dinners right in america very, yeah not very often so it, it's just part of, and you and by the way you don't have to again lowercase right. c community right um you're not obligated to do anything i love that because yeah. 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 there's something about that that feels you're paying for it by yeah. the way right well right. well yeah. get right it's in your rent but, yeah. but you don't have to be there like you would with an intentional community where they're like okay you got to cook us yeah you, i got to be there to clean up or, you got to be there we're going to take a big vote yeah how the Get the aphids off this damn bush. <laughs> yeah. Whatever. Yeah, just don't be a dick. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, don't exactly. be a dick. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Which so again, if you cut the bush down. Yeah. That <laughs> no. So when, yeah. are, when are these projects, when do you think they're going to come online? Well, the affordable housing product will come first. I think that's the biggest need. That's like emergency need right now. And I want to hurry up and put that pro forma online so other developers... I want shame to be woven into our culture. Let's do it. Yeah. yeah. So I want other developers to to be asked, "Hey, why aren't you doing that? Or yeah. Would you consider that?" Um, 
And then the adult dorms, I gotta find a site and investors. I mean, okay. I, I'm only, I have more ideas than I have money. Do you have a, a date for when the first one will come online? Uh, yeah, early, early next year. Awesome. Thanks. We should have them back and, and yeah. uh, take a tour or something. It should be called Not Trump Towers. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That'd be so, so We're so looking awesome. for a lawsuit, Lil PR. <laughs> he doesn't sue anyway, he just doesn't no, sue. Not Trump. <laughs> well, Kevin, yeah. this has been a fantastic time. Really Thanks, appreciate you guys. coming. We knew it was going to be like oh, yeah, this. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm surprised you guys have talked about the singlet I'm wearing. The neat thing about live ra- about radio is that you could you don't it doesn't matter what you what do. you wear. And I was leaving the house like with a speedo, but it's like don't wear a speedo. But so I, I changed into the singlet. I, you know, I didn't even mention it. Be, there might be a photo on the show notes, everybody. Yeah, exactly. So go check a look. <laughs> and uh, turn in next week when we uh, interview whoever. Not even. We have no idea no. what we're talking to next week. <laughs> All right. Thanks for listening. Thanks Talk to you next week. Thank you for listening to Tiny House Podcast. To find us online, go to tinyhousepodcast.com, where you will also find our show notes, if we remember to put them there. Our logo was designed by the amazing Carolyn Maine. Our website is hosted by the gang at Sitecast. Our theme music is by Oma Studio. Please go to iTunes and give us a five-star rating, or whatever. You tiny house-loving bastard. Tiny House Podcast is probably made in Portland, Oregon. 